Welcome to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. In this podcast, we will focus on successful marketing methods for advisors that generate prospects and clients. We will learn from the best in the industry on how advisors in the trenches today are growing their practices. Join us for this journey where Brad draws from years of expertise and guest experts to help advisors reach their full potential. The new career reality is in the virtual world. So how do you build your brand, enhance your credibility, make that all-important relational deposit? Yes, I said relational deposit. Well, listen and learn. These topics and more are front and center in this episode of Being Advised, Leading with Value. Host Brad Swinehart of White Glove delves into ways to stand out in the crowd with guest David DeSell, president of Model FA. David is a former financial advisor who now consults with advisors to help them grow revenue, meet client goals, and have fun along the way. Well, David, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being on. Appreciate you having me, Brad. Let's talk a little bit about your background before we get into the meat of this. Where do you come from before the Model FA? Your experience in the industry, if we will. When I graduated college, I started at Northwestern's internship program for no other reason than I knew I wanted to be an advisor and one of the recruiters had reached out to me. So I was there for seven years as an advisor. And then five of those years, I also ran our new advisor development program. At the end of that chapter of my life, I started my company, which was called the Financial Advisors Alliance, which looking back is a bit of a mouthful. So we called it the FAA, which has more than one meeting. That <laughs> that wasn't ideal either. And then throughout that journey, about a year and a half in that business is when I came across my now business partner, Patrick Brewer, who he had the company called Brewer Consulting, rebranded it to Model FA, and we decided to uh, join forces. So they had acquired my company, named me the president of the firm, and fast forward, that's that's where we are today. And what is your primary focus at the Model FA? I would say it's three main things. One is we consult for RIAs that have over $2 billion in assets, and we help them as their fractional CMOs, their fractional chief business development officers, and a multitude of other things. But the one thing that I, one of the things I do is I head up those relationships in the business or under the business development umbrella, I should say, working with their advisors, you know, helping them with ideas, strategies, client experience, accountability, et cetera. So that would be number one. Uh, number two is focusing on strategic partnerships. So identifying, you know, other like-minded firms that have great cultures and great people that are serving the same audience being financial advisors, just in a different capacity and figuring out how we can be stronger together, or at the very least be supportive of one another from afar. And then the third thing is helping lead the vision of the company and, and the team rally them to head in that, in that direction. And I know you're kind of the, the king of building your own personal brand. And a lot of advisors are kind of running into this through all last year, beginning of this year, they're, they're looking around, they're saying, okay, what do I do now? How do I build credibility, build trust in a virtual environment? And without that handshake, what would you say is probably the best tactic or the best focus point advisors should look at for building credibility in a virtual world? 
Well, I appreciate the the kind words in that opening, Brad. I wouldn't consider myself the king, but if that's how it's perceived, then that's uh, that's great. <laughs> I mean, so, I have I have your book. It's right on my bookshelf right here, so it's it's great. Love it. I could speak for I think hours on on this topic. I think what advisors need to recognize is that if they're not relevant in the eyes of their clients or prospects, then they're just that, right? They're just not relevant. And if you're not relevant, you're not thought about when people have additional money or if people have connections of theirs, they're looking for an advisor and therefore you're just limiting your growth. So I believe that you should be connected with as many of your potential prospects as possible, as well as every single one of your clients on whatever platform they use. So the, the, Three main ones that I use are LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And I use Twitter just for to post content, but I don't really engage too, too much on it. What I find is that when you're connected with people on multiple platforms and you're also posting content on a daily basis, and that content is value-driven, not boastful and look at me type of stuff, but you're trying to make the viewers better when they read, they listen, or they watch whatever it is that you post, what ends up happening is your relevance increases because you're becoming omnipresent across all of these other platforms. I find that when I do it and when advisors do it, they deepen relationships with the folks that they're working with. They keep themselves relevant in between their review meetings, or if a prospect says, no, I don't want to do business right now in that moment, well, at least they're staying relevant moving forward so that when they do have enough pain to where they want to take action, you're the person that they're thinking about. And to kind of deconstruct that a little bit, there's two really important things that you said there is connecting with your clients where they are. And I think advisors need to take a step back and realize that their clients, their prospects absolutely are living on social media now. It's almost the cost of doing business to have a robust presence across those platforms. Like you're saying, it would be akin to not having a website or not having an office 10 years ago by not putting yourself out there on LinkedIn and Facebook and to other degrees, Instagram and, and Twitter. Like you said, I really think that advisors have struggled with this in the past, just recognizing that that's where their clients want to get their information. If 2020 showed us anything, it's that people grab information, good or bad, directly off of social media. Yeah, they, I think it's, it's a fight for attention, right? So if you send someone a weekly or a monthly newsletter, like I see that advisors, cause they'll, they'll add me to their newsletters. And it's just so, dense with information, or if they publish a white paper, again, it's just dense with information. And this is from, this is like a Gary Vee-ism for those of you who know who Gary Vee is, where you take that pillar content, that macro content, and you splice it up into micro pieces that is quite frankly, more consumable, right? If I come across, say a video on Instagram and it's 15 minutes long, I'm just not watching that. But if it's scrolling past that one, right? <laughs> exactly. But if it's if it's two and a half or three and a half or four and a half minutes, I'm more likely to actually watch that, 
right? So what I could do is I could take that 15 minute clip and try and splice it up into three, four, five, six, ten clips, all of which are just a couple minutes in length. I think that you know people really need to focus on how do I first acknowledge and try and be self-aware. How am I consuming content? What types of content am I actually consuming versus scrolling through? Just know that you're no different than people who are you know, connected with you on those platforms. And if you're finding yourself only consuming micro bits of content, then you need to create those micro bits of content for the people that you're trying to serve. And something that I learned years ago, actually from you, David, is that people will watch videos without listening to them. So you have to put captions on there. It's not even an option. You have to put captions on there because it's like 90% of videos that are consumed on social media are done so without the sound on. And it's it's probably dropped some since everyone's working from home. There's not that embarrassment of watching a video while you're sitting in the office. I still think that if you're going to put content out there, you have to have captions on it. And I've you've taught me that I don't know, three or four years ago. <laughs> and still to this time, this day, anytime I see a video on social or anything like that, that doesn't have captions, I think, man, they're, they're just wasting their time with that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, some people like to read, some people like to watch, right? Some people like to listen. If you construct your content, in such a way that checks all those boxes. Again, it's just more than likely to to be consumed. And I would also say, there's a lot of people who will watch your videos or will see your posts, but they won't interact with you at all, right? They're not gonna toss you a like, they're not gonna comment on it, but they still see it. So a lot of times advisors and, and just people in general who want to start building their brand and posting more content, they get discouraged early on because their mom, their aunt, and their friend from high school liked it, and none of them are good prospects for them, then they just stop. But there's a lot of other people that are seeing it. At this point, having focused on building a brand for a few years now, I'll get people hit me up every day or every other day with some sort of kind words. And I mean, and you see it because I'll repost it on my Instagram story, Brad. Sometimes they like it, sometimes they commented on it, but most times they see it them seeing it has been impactful. And, and sometimes they go out of their way to, to share that impact with me directly, which is awesome. And it's like, oh, I didn't even know that, you know, you were looking at this stuff, right? So it's, it, it's kind of a cool scenario, but you can't test this out for two or three months. Like it's a lifelong commitment of adding value through a means that is scalable via social media currently to impact more people than you could in one-on-one -on -one conversations. And I always say you, you can't nurture overnight. Far too often, you know, we run into this all the time when I'm talking to advisors about our, our Social Connect platform, right? That does social media posting for advisors. It has a newsletter. It does a lot of those things that you were mentioning earlier, but I'll talk to advisors and they say, well, what's the ROI? When am I going to see appointments from this thing? When am I going to start moving the needle? And it's it's a struggle to get them to adapt their mindset to say, Hey, you know what? You need this strong presence on all of these platforms. And it's not going to immediately get a bunch of likes. It's not going to, you're not going to see smiley emojis on your LinkedIn posts, but without it, those people that would reach out to you or go to do business with you, they're going to go and stalk you on social. And if you're not there, you don't have credible content. You're automatically missing opportunities. It's like not having a website. It's like going into the office, not wearing professional, not wearing a suit or not, you know, it's like going into the office in, in shorts and a t-shirt. You're, you're just missing something that's absolutely needed today. 
I agree. And I think with all due respect to the advisors that have that mindset of like, well, what's my ROI on this right away? I mean, those are the same types of people that do a a 30 day diet journey and they lose a bunch of weight. And then by the 45th day, they already gained it all back because they're like looking for those quick fixes. A lot of times they're like, oh, well, I'm not ranking on Google or, you know, whatever. Like I don't see the the tangible results of, of my efforts right now. And they're like, there's a book that I read called Three Feet from Gold. And it, it's almost like they're three feet from gold. And then they just turn around and say, oh, well, didn't find any. But you, know, you fast forward a few years. And if someone like the podcast that I was on uh, the other week that was released today, he was like, hey, where can people find you? And I'm now able, and I don't mean to like be boastful when I say this, but I'm now able to say with probably thousands of posts at this time over a few year period, just Google my name. And the entire first page is all of my stuff, all of my social platforms, press releases, websites. That didn't happen in the first three months. That didn't happen in the first year. It's a few years later and it's finally got to that point. So people just need to be committed for the long term and just trust the process, not get discouraged along the way. And it's it's easier said than done, but it's it's incredibly important that they do so. Otherwise, their relevance just decreases every single day that they don't do it. I think one thing too is is you have that that notion that they have to be relevant because the opposite is being irrelevant. You get to choose, right? Check one box or the other. And the other thing is is with a strong online credibility, you're making that virtual handshake, if you will. You know, you're making yourself findable. You're making yourself likable, available online. That's going to turn around and an impact all of your other marketing efforts. Because if you don't think someone's going to go stalk you on LinkedIn or Facebook before they do business with you, then you're just not paying attention at this point. 100% agree. I mean, the first thing that I do with anyone that is looking to do business with me or vice versa is just Googling their name. If they don't have a bunch of stuff pop up, I'm like, okay, well, is what they're saying a, like a front or a facade as to like what they're actually doing? Like how come more people aren't talking about them or how come their profiles aren't, aren't showing up right away? It definitely will either build or, or tear down your credibility if you don't have stuff out there when people are actually searching for you. So we talked a little bit about a personal brand. Can you just kind of, in your words, what would that mean for an advisor? I think oftentimes advisors, when they think about content and building a brand, they think about talking about the difference between a Roth and a traditional IRA or a Roth conversion or whatever planning strategies they can come up with from a topical standpoint. Yeah, sure. Some of that stuff is important, but if we're being honest, I don't think people on a Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock are going to scroll through their feed and stop to watch those types of videos, but it's good to include that type of content from an awareness perspective so that they know what it is that you do. And they're reminded about that on a consistent basis. I think building a brand is more so identifying where your hobbies and your interests lie and where you derive energy from, how you can take those things and add value to the folks that you're connected to and will be connected to. This isn't necessarily like a science per se, but I tend to like to do about 70 or 80% personal branding 
Brad, you'll see me post about motivational stuff or books that I'm reading, or I should say listening to working out and things like that, that I'm passionate about. As a result, I'm able to connect with people on that level, right? So people are asking me for book recommendations as an example. Now, if I recommend them a particular book, they're going to get value from that book, but they're going to associate that value with me. And it's no different in my role as a consultant compared to a financial advisor. It's, hey, find out what your passions are or, or identify, I should say, what your passions are. Start sharing that and, and document the things that you're doing. I mean, we work with a firm that was actually just acquired, but they had about 1.5 billion in AUM. A lot of their clients came from the fact that the owner of that firm, and he's actually going to be a, a guest on, on our show, so we'll be able to hear more of this in the coming months. He built his entire business around fly fishing, right? So he wasn't going out talking about financial planning principles. He was just talking about fly fishing, sharing fly fishing, taking people out fly fishing, and he brought it to a billion and a half of assets. It's identifying what your hobbies, your interests, what are you just doing on a daily basis that you can share with others? And then, oh, by the way, this is what I happen to do, and this piece is also valuable. So it's, it's a 70, 30, 80, 20 split, but it starts with some self-discovery as to what you're doing, and then also stop thinking about how do I create content? And this is another Gary Vism. Rather than creating content, how can I just document what I'm already doing? And through that, you're going to connect with people on different levels. And when you're able to connect with someone on those levels, they're attracted to you. And therefore, they're more likely to ultimately do business with you if they're not already. I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's the struggle of not being able to do that handshake, not seeing someone's face but advisors almost seem like they they see that and they see that gap, but then they don't correlate that with, well, hey, make yourself likable when it comes to social media, make yourself available, but also show who you are, you know, value, content, great, but keep your reader in mind, like you were saying earlier, but then also put in some of that personal stuff, you know, make sure that they, they know who you are, because it doesn't matter what industry or business you're in, people will work with people that they like and then look at the expertise and do the digging. Right. So they, they want to know you as a person, you know, not everything, you don't need to share everything, but they want to know that, Hey, this, this is a real person. He has hobbies. Ooh, I like that. He doesn't like that. I don't like that. You got to find that connection to find interest in a, another human being. Yeah. I also think where advisors drop the ball in relation to the personal brand is they'll start like posting stuff. They'll be like, man, no one's reached out to me yet. It's like, well, that's like standing in a, a room where a networking event is being held and standing in the corner and then going home with your tail between the legs because no one came up and talked to you. It's like, well, you got you to gotta kind of put yourself out there. Engagement on those platforms is of the utmost importance, whether you're commenting on someone's post or sliding into their messages, talking about, you know, whatever it is that they're talking about. I, I like to say that social media does a great job at leaving clues. If I see that someone is also reading, right, a lot of books, I'm going to hit them up and say, hey, I noticed that you've been crushing books so far this year. I've been working hard to do the same. You know, what, what would be the one or two best books that you've read? And then they'll respond with that. I'll give them some as well. 
I'll circle back with them and say, Hey, just finished that book. It was awesome. I really liked X, Y, and Z, you know, thanks so much for, you know, that, that recommendation or whatever the topic is that you can connect with someone on it's view social media as a massive dinner party and you got to go and, and meet people and try and connect with them. The, the benefit is that at a, at a social gathering, people don't have a timeline of all of their interests and hobbies on their back or on their chest, but social media does have a list of all the things that they're into. If you just scroll through their feed for a little bit, you get a good sense as to who someone is and therefore you have more ammunition as it relates to knowing how to connect with them and, and ultimately get them to like you enough to view you in a high regard. And then again, ultimately do business with you. That's great. And what I've, I've heard you talk about this in the past, but what is a, a relational deposit? A relational deposit from my perspective, people are like, well, I just had a review. Is that a relational deposit? It's like, eh, kind of, I guess, but a relational deposit is more so when you follow up with them from that review, are you just sending a generic follow-up email that has their action items that they need to do based on the plan that you put together? Or are you describing that and recapping that and sharing that through email, but in a video format? So I use a service called Loom, L-O-O-M, quite a bit. Are you differentiating yourself? Are you adding a PS right to the email where it says, you know, PS, I know that you mentioned that you're excited to cook this weekend with your husband. Here's a link to my favorite recipe. I promise you won't be disappointed. Let me know if you end up cooking it, right? Just something silly like that. Or, hey, you can message, you know, 10, 20, 30 people in a day or more on the various social platforms, email, text messages. If you say, you know, hey, I just listened to this podcast. It, I really got a lot out of it, specifically around XYZ topic. Really thought you'd enjoy listening to it. Here's the link. If you have some time to do so today, let me know your thoughts. Copy and paste that to as many people as you can. And it takes 15, 20, 30 minutes. Another relational deposit can be sending them a small gift, right? On their you know, anniversary or birthday or another relational deposit is I try my best and sometimes people slip through the cracks, but I try my best to call everyone that I'm close with working with or want to work with based on what Facebook tells me anyways, is their birthday. I try and reach out before seven or eight o'clock in the morning, preferably over the phone. But if I don't have their number for whatever reason, say they're a prospect and you know we just haven't gotten to that point yet, I'm not going to write on their Facebook wall. I'm going to go on their Facebook messenger and, you know, shoot them a quick video through that and wish them a happy birthday. Like just do memorable stuff that people appreciate. And they come to, I guess they start, they start like talking about that with other people, right? People don't refer because you service the heck out of them and you got a decent rate of return. People refer people because they had an unbelievable experience. So the example I use there is you can go to McDonald's and be happy that they finally got your order right, but you don't tell people about that. But when you go to a steakhouse and they pull your chair out and they give you the, the lemon cloth or whatever to wash your hands and they <laughs> make sure your steak is cooked perfectly, they scrape the table off in between meals and they comp a dessert at the end and they invite you back afterwards and the chef comes out in between and asks how your meal was, like that's a memorable experience and you're probably gonna talk about that. It comes down to how can you make it seem or make it feel like on their end that it's their birthday every single time they interact with you, 
right? Think about how you feel on your birthday, right? You feel loved and you feel appreciated and it's just an amazing day. And a great book to dive deeper into the things that were just said is a book by now the late Tony Shea who passed away earlier this year, his book, Delivering Happiness. That's an amazing book as it relates to client experience. I love all of that. And it is, it's the theme of this podcast too, right? Lead in with value, give something that, be a go-giver, not looking what you can get out of a relationship. And that's that's why you and I have always stayed both friends for so long, even though we haven't really ever done business together. And but we've it's never just... met in person, but I feel like we, <laughs> we know each other so well. And it's because social media keeps us connected and we remain to be supportive from afar. Like this, like you and I are, are we're the proof in the pudding that we've been talking about today, man. Yeah. And it's it, the resources that you have of available to you. You could, like you said, maybe you don't have their phone number, but you can find them on LinkedIn. You could shoot them a message and they might only get on LinkedIn once a month, but you could find them on Facebook. And like you said, like one of their posts or make a comment on it or something like that, that you can start developing those little crumbs of a relationship until when you have that first conversation, then you can actually engage and you feel like you know the person. I mean, you really only need a couple of personal notes about a another human being for you to connect on some level. And then you can build off of that, right? If I know he drinks rye whiskey, he was born in St. Paul and he likes the Vikings, that's all I need to know. Now I can talk about, you know what? I'm actually from Minnesota, even though I live in Michigan and I love bourbon. So maybe I need to get into rye and I'll start asking him questions about that. But mm -hmm. those just small personal details that help build relationships are absolutely out there everywhere you could you could want them to be in so many different formats. And if you're not putting yourself out there to be able to be found and to be able to have that type of ammo just sitting out there for your your prospects and clients to find that you are doing yourself a disservice. What we see now is that advisors are closing business completely virtual and the only way you can do that is if you have more credibility online that's in a variety of formats, right? Like be on a podcast, make sure your LinkedIn looks good, share content. And then all of those things that David is saying, like, you know what, shoot them a message on their birthday via Facebook. It's not creepy. Facebook tells you, and everybody knows Facebook tells you, it's not like you remembered it. So it's, it's that nice little middle ground of, you know what, Hey, I saw that. And I commented on it. That type of stuff is just a nice warm way to stay in front of your prospects, but also your top clients. And one thing I always think about is if you're not willing to reach out to your clients where they are, who do you want reaching out to them? Yeah. And it's because the audience here is, is, or a lot of the audience anyways, is financial advisors, at least who we're talking about today. We're not fortunate like accountants to where we don't have a financial planning season. Like they have a tax season. Right. And they, maybe accountants don't feel fortunate about a tax season because they you know, work, their, <laughs> work their butt off. But people are required to do their taxes. And therefore, if they're good at what they do, they're going to have clients that come to them by a certain deadline. Financial advisors, like we're last on the list. Right. People get a CPA and then an attorney and then maybe an advisor, you know, if they're responsible you need to be putting yourself out there and you, you can't just put yourself out. Like one of the lines that I'll use quite a bit is, you know, I'll say something to the effect of, you know, Hey Brad, I know we've been connected for some time and uh, have been supportive from afar, but we've yet to actually 
have a conversation together. We'd love to hop on the phone for a quick intro call, learn more about your background and kind of what your vision is for this upcoming year and see how we may be of service to one another moving forward. If you've been connected with someone for a bit and there's been some engagement along the way, who's going to say no to that? Right. And then once you're on the phone, boom, you actually have a relationship. You're able to figure out where they're at and meet them there or continue to be supportive from afar. As long as you have enough balls up in the air. I I got this from when I was an advisor. When you have high activity, you ultimately have low anxiety. But when you have low activity, you have high anxiety. So if you have one prospect in your pipeline, right, who has two million bucks and then they're dragging their feet. You know, you're getting anxious and you're getting frustrated. But if you have 40 prospects that are the same, it's like, okay, well, just do business with me when you're ready on to the next one. Right. But people oftentimes put, you know, too many eggs in one basket and therefore every person then becomes so much more important to them where these people should be important to you, but not necessarily providing you angst as opposed to excitement. And if you have high activity and a lot of people in your pipeline, you're constantly high energy, or at least, you know, I am when, when I experience those. Yeah. And I think you and I are very, are built the same way when it comes to that. It's just high activity, go, go, go. How many meetings can I get on the the schedule today? Because that's going to make me not worry about that deal that we talked about last week, because you know what, I got four more deals to talk about today. And one of them is going to come through. And I talk to advisors all the time, you know, in the seminar game, they have crazy stories that, Two years ago, someone attended a social security seminar and they just reached out today or five years ago, someone was at a tax event that I did and they just now blah, 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 changed their financial situation and they reached out and the ability to stay in front of those prospects and mine your list that you've already paid for in previous efforts is just absolutely. There's just so many options out there for you today. And especially with the new SEC ruling the ability to use testimonials and some of the other stuff that changed when that when it comes to marketing the world for advisors is really opening up now more than it ever has before and you pair that with everybody being more and more comfortable virtually and it's it's absolutely an amazing time for to be an advisor and get in front of people virtually and to help your communities David, thank you very much for being on the show today. Awesome stuff. There's so many just little nuggets in here that we could talk about. Like you said, we could talk about this for hours. If you have one final thing about building trust without actually meeting somebody, what would your final point be? Building trust without meeting someone is, I would say, you always need to follow through with what you say you're going to do or exceed the expectations that you had laid out to them. For example, if you say, Hey, I'll send you this follow up email when it's Wednesday, and I'll send it to you by Monday, like get it to them Wednesday night, right? Just like give yourself the opportunity to follow through above and beyond what the expectations were. And if you're over, excuse me, if you're under promising and over delivering, that in and of itself is going to set you apart. And then when you combine that with all the personal branding stuff that we had talked about today, you're immediately elevated in their eyes. So it's just, you got to be a person of your word and make sure that you're actually following through with everything that you say you're going to do and combine it with the personal branding. And I think that's how trust can be built in the virtual world that we're living right now. All right. Thank you, sir. There was a lot of good stuff in there. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. 
Gentlemen, that was informative and inspirational at the same time. Thank you, David DeSell, president of Model FA, and Brad Swinehart of White Glove. Subscribe to get the latest alerts for new episodes of Brad's podcast, be advised leading with value, and of course share with colleagues, friends, and even family. Thank you for listening to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Mike Love. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.